Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Wow, Mother Teresa is to be canonized in 2016. Oh, what a fucking waste of everybody's time. (laughs) I agree, she was a lie. Do you know that she never actually helped out the poor? That whole thing was just a money funneling operation. They laundered all the cash. She may as well have been a a Courtney Cox or a Giselle Bundchen the way she used all of those lepers for PR opportunities. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Mother Mother Bundchen. I want to start this whole episode by decrying Mother Teresa and say, if I had seen her, I would have set her clothes on fire. Oh, that would have been nice. It's not the first time that we've talked shit about Mother Teresa on this fucking show, and I don't know why either one of you are pretending like it is. What? I don't remember making... Last podcast on the left, official stance. If we had met Mother Teresa, we would have ripped off her garbs to take a look at her boobies. That's <laughs> what I would have done. I would have played with them little, I don't know what she was. What was her race? I would have played with her tea bag. Just a white gal, I think. Wasn't she just a white gal? I think she was Italian. Italian? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. actually, I like her a lot more now. Just yeah. ooh, them Italian women. Hmm, isn't your mother Italian? Yes. Okay, interesting. <laughs> Very, very good. Um, all right. She was just too good for this world. <laughs> oh, Ed, you were on the last three episodes, Ed. We're done talking about you. Too good for this world. <laughs> sweet mother. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when I just looked at my mother, I was just like, God, I need a jacket. <laughs> That's all right. It's enough Ed Gein material. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. One month. Oh, my God. All right, we're on to another house of horrors in a much different sense. There's no lampshades made of skin, but there's a bunch of demonic situations occurring, and, of course, we're discussing Amityville. Oh, the Amityville horror, possibly the most well-known, the most well-covered haunted house and haunting in the history of man. Or at the very least, the 20th century. If you ask someone to name a haunted house, mm-hmm. chances are the first thing they're going to name the is Zabra- Grandma's house. <laughs> okay. I was going to go with the Zabrowski's house in Staten Island or wherever you grew up. I remember Grandma's house being full of terrifying things. <laughs> the mirrors, the beds, the spinely fingers. Mm-hmm. That hard candy that everybody knew no child wanted. That's why Grandma kept it around. <laughs> How much? This is my question with grandmothers. Do you just get shipments of hard candies? Mm-hmm. Do I, they just show up at the house as soon as one of your children have one? All of a sudden, you're getting Werther's and those weird little strawberry things that yeah. that just basically become rocks. Yeah, I love yeah. those things. Well, you go through one hard candy a year, and that's when a new child is born. He doesn't realize how terrible they taste. He takes one, and then he realizes there's always some random fruit inside of them. Even if it is chocolate, it's a lie. <laughs> See, when my mom became a grandmother, she just started leaving out bowls of sausage. Mm. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's good grandmother. <laughs> All right, so the Amityville Horror. Uh, now, this show, again, it's uh, the most famous ha- haunting of all time. Yes. Great imagery in this story. But wh- we're, it lies at the center of the Amityville Horror House is an incredible story of murder and mayhem. Right. Uh, to me, when I, when I went to go research Amityville Horror, because we, we were talking about doing a whole thing on Ed and Lorraine Warren, mm-hmm. um, but they were just too boring because they just don't. <laughs> right. They were just, they're con men. We'll, we'll go into it. They're, 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 they're con artists. They're con well, artists without knowing that they're con artists. They're these, con artists that believe in their own hype, their own bullshit. Because right. Ed's whole thing is like, well, you're never going to understand my work unless you understand my faith. Pretty much saying you've got to be right. a Catholic piece of shit to really follow Ed's line of bullshit. But they're also con artists. Sometimes con artists can do very good things. For example, when we went on our psychic journey on episode, was it 17, 18, way yeah. back in the day, that psychic, that large woman, I could see her children playing in the next room. <laughs> They were playing a massive Xbox, and I gave her $100 to hang out with her for 15 minutes, so I know where she got the money. Uh, She gave me some very nice advice, though, and she was encouraging. Or like being one of those Patch Adams cancer doctors where you're like, make them laugh, make them laugh, make them laugh. But meanwhile, you turn to the nurse, and you're like, start measuring the casket. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And the nurse is like, that is not my job. I actually, I I give that to a different person. I'm the one who euthanizes the poor boy. Oh, it's 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 Lorenzo, the grave digger consultant. <laughs> Every hospital it's got to be big enough for the body to dance, dance mm. in silent dance of cryptic death. And also, sometimes you got to leave an extra foot on top if you want to give him a fancy top hat. Yep, that's a good point. You never know when a ba- when a boy wants to be buried like Abraham Lincoln. Every cancer child's last wish is to be our Civil War president. <laughs> So the center of this entire thing, of course, all of this happened in uh, the early 70s. The Amityville Horror is a very 70s thing. And one thing to keep in mind, very much keep in mind during all this, is that the entire country was ripe for this sort of haunting. Right. The Exorcist uh, had just come out. mm -hmm. The Exorcist had just come out. It was everyone was primo, primo dripping wet for a good haunting story. I mean, to me, I'm always dripping wet slash hard as and dry as a bone for a good haunting story and they're rare these days so right. this is just was like mmm, it was like mama's milk right yeah. so but you're a boy henry so when you say dripping wet like there's that would ha- that would be your butthole that would be the only option that would be you, dripping so your butthole doesn't sweat when you're having a good time <laughs> no no I, I don't i've never noticed maybe i'll check next time i'll hand I check know, it i I've been having to put a whole bunch of maxi pads all around the inside hmm. of my underwear because of just how happy I get about working on Heroes. So you go to the <laughs> store and you buy tampons and the, the person behind the, uh, the counter is like, oh, your girlfriend must be on a real heavy uh, heavy load this month. Or <laughs> yeah, month. I'm just Slow. like, yeah, she's as Slow. big as me. And she's, uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, it has been rough and going yeah. to dinner with her. Right, <laughs> heavy float, not heavy load. <laughs> totally different. And also, I don't stick them up my ass. I just kind of lie them in between my butt cheeks like, it's a really shitty hot talk. Oh, that's great. And this is also before the sex scandal of the Catholic Church really came uh, you know, came up. And the Catholic Church really had a lot more significance in pop culture. And they had a lot more say in actual events uh, when it comes to their point of view not being seen as wackety-dackety, is what, uh, which is what it's seen as now. Well, people trusted them at the time. And right. one thing that's important to know about the exorcist, this is, a bit, this is a bit of a digression. But before the exorcist, the devil was not something that was at the forefront of American minds. The devil was something that wacky evangelicals thought about. The devil was not a guy out to get you. The devil well, was more of a, an evil force mm. if you even believed in him at all. But the exorcist, well, when that came out, all of a sudden demons were real again. Mm. Devils were real. Exorcisms were real. And Catholic priests were the front lines of defense. Right. We'll never discount the Catholic Church. We've been talking about the devil for a long fucking time because it makes ch- priests shitty Catholic priests and makes them warriors and therapists instead of just crippled, bent pedophiles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of spraying everybody with a water here and there. It's really just aggravating what they do. Well, at the center of the haunting, everyone asks, where does the Amityville haunting come from? Right. Well, at the center of all of this is a mass murder, a one-night, six-body murder perpetrated by this guy, Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr. Okay. Now, if you want to talk about haunting fuel, this is exactly the, the, the perfect melange 
for an, a massive haunting. So, so look at this story has already been set. It's a tragic murder of an entire family in one night. So sh- short and sharp, which is exactly what you need to create a bunch of ghosts that don't know that they're fucking dead yet. Right, release them quick. Now, this story is obviously horrific in its own right, and this is 100% true, obviously. Yes. So you could write a movie just about this alone. Absolutely. No, uh, and there have been books written about it, but no one is really... Ronald DeFeo, the actual murders themselves, tend to get glossed over. Which is amazing, and that shows you, again, the power of the belief in the paranormal and in what the Catholic Church was discussing during this time six real people were murdered and they were like, but what about the ghosts? <laughs> Move I on. heard they were ghosts afterwards. <laughs> so, Did you butch- hear about the flies? I hate flies. It's the sounds that they make that I don't like. What <laughs> else I heard is that the toilets got all dirty with slime and there's one thing I absolutely hate. Mm-hmm. It's grime in my toilets. That's hey. why I need these scrub bubbles because all it does is scrub bubbles by mammaments and we will make sure that your toilet doesn't have any slime in it. We'll make sure that the flies are also, they'll be clean at least. <laughs> well, you know what, Mr. Zabrowski? Here at Scrubbing Bubbles, we love you as our admin, but can you stop going around the country and saying we'll clean up toxic ghost goo from your toilets, please? We don't have any scientific tests to prove that. Well, if these Long Island dipshits stop killing their families, then I won't have to fucking sell these things anymore. <laughs> and this is the mo- the DeFeos are the most Long Island family yes. you can imagine. Butch DeFeo was the oldest of five kids living at 112 Ocean Avenue in the Af- Affluent town of Amityville, New York. You got to remember, Amityville. It is a very rich town. Right. It is a coastal town. But these, the DeFeo family had their own business. They were deeply connected, possibly with the mob. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I had an uncle Butch that was also a twisted piece of shit. That is a uh, sanitation officer, quote unquote, means a garbage man who lives <laughs> lives in Staten Island. Um, and it's there's a very special pride. There's a very special like Queens, Long Island kind of. Uh, white trash pride that comes with like living in a nice house in like Amityville. You're like, hey, take a look at that. We got two floors, so I don't have to hear the kids taking a shit in the morning. <laughs> right, right. Well, there is an actual correlation between the number of track suits you own and the amount of pride you have in your family. <laughs> So that is very true. But now, legally, the most you can own in Long Island is 12, because if not, then it, you'll technically have more than the mayor, and that means you have <laughs> right. more votes. That's a good... I did not remember that fact, but that is a law. So Butch's father, Big Ronnie, he was said to have the intense gaze of Rudolph Valentino, while his mother, a former model was said to have hobnobbed with legendary singer Mel Torme. Oh, wow. Velvet smoke. <laughs> was it the velvet fog? I'm sorry. The velvet smoke is the weed I smoked last night here. I got here in Toronto. Um, Mel Torme, if you've ever seen a picture of Mel Torme, I don't know if our younger viewers know who he is, but um, imagine uh, Abe Vigoda. If he's uglier. Whoa! <laughs> Mel Torme was in like a Pepsi ad campaign when we were growing up. He was selling yeah. some product. That's the only way that I remember him. I think it was Mountain Dew. Was it Mountain Dew? I believe okay. it was. Yeah, troll of a man. Nah, oh. More of a goblin. Yeah. He had a beautiful voice. It was like okay. a... Like kind of voice. When the world smiles with you. That was this his song. My question. He wasn't the same dude who did the... Uh, That's brisk, baby. No. Was it? I don't know. Let's move on. Good God. We can't talk about marketing campaigns from when we were 12. (laughs) So Big Ronnie, real big piece of shit. He was abusive. He really liked throwing Ronnie against the walls as Mm. Ronnie was growing up. A lot of times hit him head first. So Ronnie's got your classic head injury. Uh, Big Ronnie beat his wife constantly and created just a stupid hostile environment for this entire family. Ronnie was the oldest of five. So Mm. it's a big family. Uh, But Big Ronnie, he had a softer side as well. He co-wrote a song in order to get his wife back after he beat her for the 57th time. Oh, okay. Yep, he co-wrote a song with this guy uh, Joe Williams. 1963, Joe Williams recorded the song for his album One is a Lonesome Number. It is. Let's listen to just a little bit of The Real Thing. If you are going, you can almost hear his like fists hitting her stomach. Yeah. <laughs> Ow! 
Oh, Ronnie. Oh, my God. You're so sweet. Oh, God. The last time you tried to break the toilet lid over my head, I was like, oh, Ronnie, we're done. But as soon as I heard this song, I was like, oh, Ronnie, come get it. <laughs> so that is, uh, yep, that's the real thing. So uh, Ronnie, Written by Big Ronnie DeFeo. Ronnie is tweet- treating his children like... Uh, Terrence Howard's character in the show Empire treated his gay son very oh. abusive, and I've watched. I'm watching Empire now, and I highly recommend it. Thanks, very, Ben. Very ben, abusive. The TV guide Kissel. Yeah, very <laughs> abusive to their gay son. I don't like it. Terrence Howard's character. I forget your name. How was this week's episode of The Big Bang Theory, Ben? TV guide Kissel. Well, they didn't do enough science for me, but I was like, lol. They said McLaughlin, and I have no idea what that means or what that well, is. I'll tell you this: I'm staying true to my fucking self. I just watched a whole bunch. To Alex Jones, so you tell me <laughs> who's cool and who's on the edge. I've been watching a BBC <laughs> program called Time to Remember. It's, you know, old news real footage from the... Let's get back to the murders, please. <laughs> so the house itself, the Amityville house, iconic. Right. It's perfect. A- Perfect haunted house. Perfect. Three stories, Dutch colonial. It's got these two half moon windows right at the top that look like evil eyes staring right at you. And I actually thought it was pretty gauche the way they put those weird, like, eyelash things on top of the windowsills. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, what are you going to do? I guess they're Long Island trash. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I want it to look like a slut is winking at everybody in the street. Yeah. Then I go inside of it. I say, I'm inside a slut. You get the joke. You get the joke. (laughs) So Butch, 23 at the time of the murders and still living at home. Butch was 5'8" husky guy given to wearing open shirts to display his ample chest hair. Ooh, that sounds like me. (laughs) It does, Henry, sadly. And he was also a very heavy user of heroin, acid, and speed. How are you fat if you're doing the three drugs that make you skinny? I just don't get it. Every one of the drugs makes you forget that you just ate. Ah, I see. <laughs> I've seen plenty of big fat cokeheads. Yeah, but usually if they're doing heroin also, you know, they yeah. tend to maintain a good waistline. That is the true. The thing is that if you're on the mix of heroin and acid and the food is starting to be like, it's coming, like all of a sudden you see the refrigerator door open for no reason, a little hamburger opens it up and he's just like, hey, buddy, I think maybe you could use a little bit of a pick-me-up. I think you forgot to eat recently. <laughs> Butch is just sitting there and be like, you fucking hamburger. You're just one of, you're one of the smartest friends I've ever had. That's and I'm true. just going to come over there and I'm going to eat the fuck out of you, hamburger. You're so nice. <laughs> Ouch. 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 So at around 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday, November 13th, 1974, 23-year-old Rano DeFeo Jr. entered Henry's bar and yelled, You gotta help me. I think my mother and my father are shot in a... I think they were Asian. I think that maybe they were... Asian. They were Asian. <laughs> One of the patrons seated at the bar huh. was uh, Robert Bobby Kelsky. There's a lot of Bobbies in this story. A lot of yeah. Bobbies. Uh, he was an out of work brick mason and Butch's best friend. And to which, uh, after uh, after Ronnie yelled, "I think my mother and father are shot," Bobby offered. Are you sure they're not asleep? <laughs> Which is just yeah, you such check a- to make sure they're not asleep because sometimes, you know, I don't know how many times I'm like really asleep, you know, right. and then people come and check my pulse and they're like, hey, Bobby, wake up, wake up. But I'm like, I don't wake up for like days, you know, <laughs> and then I end up, I wake up, I'm inside a fucking casket. Right. Would you believe it? You know, I got to dig myself out of five feet of dirt. Uh, I sleep heavy, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Heavy sleeper, but you got to take Bobby seriously. He was the closest one to being a doctor in town. He drove by the hospital on a daily basis. Which <laughs> give mute to the to the sausage fucking restaurant, <laughs> and then back to Henry's. So after assuring his friend that they were indeed shot and it not definitely a- shot because I saw a bunch of stuff on the bench. Right. I thought maybe it was ketchup, so I went. I got some fries. Mm-hmm. I came back in the house. I went to go check on. I was like, oh, ketchup. Mm, there's nothing like better than some fries and some ketchup, you know, because I saw the t- t- fries start talking to me, saying like, hey, maybe you should try me out. And I was like, oh, shut up, fries. Okay, I'll <laughs> take it home. And then next thing you know, next, I got a mouthful of my brother's blood in my mouth. <laughs> uh, typical, typical sleep, be- sleep bleeding. That's what I would diagnose it as. So those two guys and four other bar patrons, John Altieri, Joey Yeswoit, Al Saxton, 
and William Scordamaglia. The six men, they piled in a Butch's 1970 blue Buick Electra, 225, and drove off. So Butch climbed in the back while Bobby took the wheel. And here's a funny thing about this is that Henry's Bar and the DeFeo house, they were only a block apart, right. but all these fucking idiots got in the car and drove over to the DeFeo house. So I could see I could see Bobby driving over, right? And then like he's enough. Looking for parking. Ah, damn. Okay. Okay, got parallel park. No, 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 no. I'm gonna let you out. I'm gonna let you out. Let me get back in. No, no, no. My whole family's dead. <laughs> hey, family's dead. <laughs> hey, Scotto, get out and make sure that I'm not too close to the bumper. I don't want to. All right, come on back. Come <laughs> back. We've got six inches. Six inches. Did you say something about your family being dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole, the whole, the Fayo family's dead. Yeah. All right. I'm telling you, just, you just, you let me park. You let me park. <laughs> 25 minutes later. God, I love when Guidos do things. So the victims were Ronald DeFeo Sr., 43, Luis DeFeo, 42, and four kids, Don, who was 18, Allison, who was 13, Mm. Mark, who was 12, and John, who was 9. All of the victims have been shot with a 35 caliber lever-action Marlin 336 rifle at around 3 o'clock a.m., the night before. And also in fact, known as the Devil's Hour. And in yes. fact, that is known as the Devil's Hour because it said that a lot of demons like to be active at 3 a.m. because it's a mockery of the Holy Trinity. Ah, very interesting. Yes. So that's their go-wild time. Yeah. <laughs> that's when the walls of reality are thin. Cool. So DeFeo's parents have both been shot twice, while the children had all been killed with single shots. Physical evidence suggests that Louise DeFeo and her daughter Allison were both awake at the time of their deaths, but mm. every single victim would be lying on their stomachs. Now, here are a couple of mysteries that are already like, at the very, very top. All right. So this Marlin 33-6C rifle is supposed to actually be incredibly loud. It's a 30-30. If you know anything oh, yeah. about guns, it is a fucking ear blower. It would wake um, up the house next door, not only the people inside the house that it, the shot was taking. It'd uh, wake up the in. fucking street. Right. So nobody heard shots that night. The only report that anyone had was that the they heard the DeFeo family dog barking, right? Right. They somehow, wh- however this went down, killed the parents first and then went down and systematically shot each one of the brothers and sisters without anybody getting up in the middle of that. Were they shot in the back or were they shot and then turned onto their stomachs? No, the, they were all shot on in their back. Right. They were obviously, they died while sleeping. So they, yeah. yeah. She yeah, died yeah. in her sleep. Oh, must have been peaceful. No, it was a shotgun. Yeah, and this, by the way, we're going with the accepted story here. Right. This is the accepted story. Yes, we're just, we're just, these are the facts as known yeah. uh, or it, have been decided upon by committee. So Butch told the police as he, he was taken back to the police station to be interrogated because he was the only surviving member. So he told police that the killings had been carried out by a mob hitman, an old friend of his dad, a guy named Louis Fellini, uh, who, after a falling out a few years earlier, had promised to, quote unquote, whack Big Ronnie and his family. What I did like mm. when watching documentaries about this, the, the, about the actual crimes, that all of the police kept saying, like, rubbed out, which is a great time. Like, <laughs> I haven't heard that phrase yeah. in a long time. Yeah, like, I love that one. Yeah, they kept me like, yeah, the next thing you know is just like, uh, Ronnie's throwing everybody that, uh, that Fellini went over there and they rubbed out the whole family. But I gotta <laughs> tell you, I don't know if that's exactly true. Because what it comes down to is like, well, if they're gonna rub out the whole family, why wouldn't they rub out Ronnie? You know what I'm saying? Why didn't they leave old Ronnie? Why didn't they rub out Ronnie? Because when I said to him, I was like, are they gonna rub anybody out? They're going to rub out Ronnie, you know? Well, actually, Do they understand that all these are euphemisms for hand jobs? <laughs> he went over and rubbed out. Well, I, well, I will always uh, you know, make this mafia family upset. I'll get a handy if I do it. Get rubbed out. Maybe even get whacked. Because Butch says the whole thing happened because he called Fellini a cocksucker once. <laughs> oh, I see. He's like, no, I'm not true. a cocksucker. I just give hand jobs. But that's the reason why. Like, But it's so funny with Long Island police officers because that's how they talk. Because it's just right. like this big fat dude is just like, because, yeah, Butch said that the reason why the incident occurred is because uh, Butch, well, he called Flynn a cocksucker. <laughs> and that's just what you can do. I mean, yeah, maybe he was a cocksucker. Who knows? You yep. know what I mean? A lot of people cocksuckers. Yep. Right? But at the same time, Fellini was a cocksucker. You don't fucking call a cocksucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's going to go over there and give him a rim job. <laughs>
The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for the little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And oh, they love their life and they love the they love what BarkBox brings. Because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Every day, I fight to set my child up for success, which is why... As I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at, see if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Well, you ask, why was Ronnie not there? Why didn't Ronnie not get rubbed out? When detectives asked him why he hadn't eaten dinner with his family as usual that night, right. he said, and this is a direct quote, My mother was a lousy cook. She cooked up some brown shit in a bowl. It looked like shit and it smelled like shit. If you had to eat it, I tell you what, it tastes like shit. And That's the next thing you say. know, guess what? I realized she'd been cooking shit for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, well, that will it's get you killed. It's not even a euphemism. You got to stop cooking shit, Ma. You're <laughs> rolling in these pots and pans, Ma. Yeah, well, you know, 
It's got some good nutritional effects there, I I assume. So finally, after, what is it, about 12 hours of interrogation, as interrogations go not all that long, he finally admitted, yes, I killed them. Yes, I committed all the murders. The floodgates opened about his family and about his brothers. He said... My brothers is a couple of fucking pigs. I often use the same bathroom they use. I go in there, and sometimes it's like shit in a bowl, and it's no toilet paper. These fucking pigs don't even wipe their asses. A couple of times, there was even shit on the back of his seat. <laughs> I don't know. You're a 23-year-old who lives at home. <laughs> that was, so. And that was less than 12 hours after his brothers had died, after he had no. murdered them. And they right. are 11 and 12 years old. They were young. <laughs> and when you were going to actually, like, I know it sounds like a, sometimes people call my characters a bit of an exaggeration. But <laughs> Butch DeFeo sounds like that, and he is a massive piece of shit. Yeah, yes, and he is. He, he hated his family. Yeah. That's why you, again, like we've said many times before, get out of the house. Get out. 18 man. years old, you got to go. Otherwise, you're going to end up like Mr. DeFeo murdering your entire family and saying terrible things about your mother's cooking, <laughs> which is very offensive. So after a full day of interrogation, he finally confessed. He said that he got the idea while watching the Sidney Pollock movie called Castle Keep, which, right. by the way, is fucking awesome. Go watch Castle Keep. Fucking Peter Falk's in it. Mm. But don't kill your family afterwards. <laughs> no, absolutely. No one else would do that. No. Castle Keep, it's kind of, it's a bit of a romp. Peter Falk's funny as shit in it. Yeah. Right. I love The Dark Knight, but I didn't blow up a hospital. No, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. Yep. And DeFeo told detectives. Once I started, I just couldn't stop. It just went so fast. Yeah. And the gun made a fun noise. <laughs> Isn't that nice? It's like Pringles, but with shooting your whole family, once you start, you just can't stop. <laughs> so DeFeo's trial began on October 14th, 1975. He and his defense lawyer, William Weber, who will become more important later on, mounted an affirmative defense of insanity, saying that DeFeo claimed that he killed his family in self-defense mm-hmm. because he's sitting there watching Castle Keep, and he said that he heard his family family plotting to kill him and that was and then it was that was just one of the stories a thing that's going to be common with butch defeo is that he he just throws out 90 stories right which is what he says later on is it was him building his insanity case but i also think that he's a fucking moron and he's just he yeah he just forgot what he was saying you actually have to be very intelligent to make yourself out to be insane yeah, uh, and it's certainly really difficult to uh, try to build a fake insanity defense because people can just see you as really stupid, which is not going to get you out of being a murderer. Absolutely, because you're supposed to not be able to consciously know right from wrong. Exactly. Another story he said is that he was approached by a female demon in a robe with black hands who handed him the rifle while he was down on acid in the basement. Which that might be true. <laughs> Wild things happen on acid. We don't know if that wasn't true. I mean, to some degree, you could argue that he was going through some in, um, an insane mental bout, but it was drug-related. And uh, so that might have been a, a plausible explanation for him to get off uh, in front of a jury. But there's no doubt that he wasn't insane. He was just a total moron. Yeah, yeah that- you don't often kill your whole family like if you lose a game of Monopoly to him. No, you, know? you don't. <laughs> Although I really wanted to kill my older brother quite often growing up because he was quite a cheater and I'll... St- uh, and and uh, Boardwalk is still mine. Which one? Eric, the eldest. Mm, I yeah. see it. I don't like him very much whatsoever when it comes <laughs> to playing Monopoly. He was a cheat, and there's no doubt about that. But that's fine. <laughs> so the the actual the court psychiatrist, he says, like, all right, yes, this guy has been doing a lot of heroin, a lot of acid, but at the most, he has antisocial personality disorder, and antisocial personality disorder doesn't mean you're insane. It nope. just means you're an asshole. You're, di- you're a dickhead. Yeah, yes. you're, yeah you're a dickhead. Uh, and so Butch, but you know what? Uh, he, they did say, like, yes, he was aware of his actions, but to Butch's credit, he did everything he could to prevent these murders. He knew that he was going to do it. He, his well, parents, he'd literally been threatening it for years. years. Right. Been, they have said this for a long time, that he, he was always like this. He was a troubled kid. He was always the one getting deeply into trouble. Like, when you, when you watch the, uh, the, one of these documentaries called The, the Real of Amityville Horror, they all said the same thing about Butch, is that as soon as they heard the news that mm-hmm. the whole family was dead, they're all like, oh, Butch did it. Right, yeah, right, right. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he had always been like this. They were like, he was always very dark and always, uh, he just didn't give a fuck. He was yeah. a sociopath. 
Yeah, a year before he, the murders, uh, the whole family, well, not the whole family, but him and his parents went to go see a psychiatrist in Brooklyn, and the psychiatrist told his parents very bluntly, he will kill you one day. If you do not right. commit him and get him help, he will kill you. So, I mean, and of course his parents created a perfect storm with all of the ver- verbal and physical abuse around the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, I don't mind him so much killing his father. I think every boy wants to kill their dad at some point, especially if their dad acts like Terrence Howard did to his son <laughs> in the show Empire. Very mean to that poor gay boy. Leave him alone, Terrence Howard's character. I don't remember the name of. Now, so the story is, too, is that, you know, I guess we're going to go more to the alternative versions of the DeFeo family murders. But a lot of what they say is that the reason why he even killed his mom and dad is that he was just, you know, he kind of flipped out. He killed his dad. But the reason why he killed his mom, the goal was to just kill his dad. But the reason why he killed his mom was because she had a gun, too. You're talking about a whole family that's literally armed right, and, <laughs> and ready to fucking kill each other. And honestly, if you would do a lineup and you would cut off their heads and just show their torsos, the exact same amount of chest hair, including the mother, they can't tell them apart. I mean, these are just Neanderthal-type people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Armed against each other. Right. Not armed against intruders, armed against each other. No, they're living like the, like the movie The Thing. They're all living like the scientists in the thing. They all have guns pointed at one another, and nobody knows who's going to snap first. And the other thing about uh, Butch moving out, you know, we say, like, yeah, he's 23, living at home. He tried to move out. He tried to leave, but his father just fucking cajoled him into coming back. He disabled his car. He cut off, you know, he also cut off his allowance because that was the other thing that they said about Big Ronnie is that he was, yes, he was a piece of shit, but he was just one of those fucking assholes that beats his family and then just showers them with money. It's exactly. And thinks that it's okay. Like what Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-il, and Kim Jong-soon did in North Korea. You kill half the people and you give other the other half uh, some nice gifts and then people are like, I guess I'll be friends with you. Yeah, because you got to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that um, that's the that's the DeFeo family, and uh, about a year later, and again, that is just that is just the accepted story, right? Right. Yeah. Again, we're gonna say that again. This is just this is the blanket. You know, Butch, this is the storyline that Butch killed the whole family and then mm-hmm. he went to jail for like a thousand years. He's in jail for the, he got convicted, mm-hmm. guilty of murder, and he is still alive and in jail right now. And this is, in my personal opinion, this is where the true crime horror, it, it's where it ends. Yeah. But this is such a terrifying case. Can you imagine you're just a 12 year old boy and your older brother comes in and shoots you in the back as you lie in your stomach? It's very tragic. And the yeah. victims are the children, you know, the parents. You. They seem to bre- they they bred a murderer. Well, they said that the mom was uh, the mom was just as abused as anyone else. Right. The, I'm the, sure. the mom the mom was very much trapped, and it was said that Ronnie actually did very much love his mother and was very close to his mother. Right. Uh, and you're gonna but- watch that in later interviews with Butch DeFeo is that he felt the one thing that he felt conflict about was the deaths of his brothers and sisters. Right. Yeah. That was a thing that he looked at as um, he obviously has no explanation. For why he did it. Um, there's, I mean, there's right. many other explanations. There are alternative explanations we're going to go through next episode. But he, you can see him struggling right. with why they also had to die. You know, as a person who has ADHD such as myself, occasionally your brain just doesn't stop you from going. Yeah. And then after, when it finally does stop, you're like, I just ate an entire pizza. <laughs> Which is not nearly as bad as killing your entire family. So oh, you get the I mean, feeling his brain was just like, at no point did he did the stoppers go off and be like, I'm going to let the kids live. <laughs> In yes. terms of a carbless diet, that right. is just as bad as killing your family. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this, So now we're looking at, though, because I'm a person who does believe in, in haunting activity, and mm-hmm. I believe that uh, the, this is the, the event that could definitely create something like the Amityville Horror House. Is there a specific name for this kind of haunting, this sort of like shock trauma that occurs? Residual. This is a residual haunting. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're going to hear claims that this was not a residual haunting, that this was a demonic haunting, which mm. is that an entity was inside of the Amityville Horror House, which basically made Butch do the crime. Right. Yeah. And, and that- made it possible. So this is where the, the, the mysteries kind of happen. So let's start right now. If it's true that there was a demonic entity in the house, it is possible that was the entity that gave him the gun. That was the entity that kept everyone asleep in the house and basically fed itself with the negative energy. Right. Of the crimes it created. As, uh, you know, so Ronnie DeFeo, he was in, sentenced to 25 years to life. Mm. Uh, he, had, he was serving like consecutive sentences. So he's guilty. Two weeks 
after he is pronounced guilty, George Lutz, his wife Kathy, and their three kids moved into the house on 112 Ocean Avenue, still furnished with all of the DeFeo's furniture, save the bloodied mattresses. It was 13 months after the murder in December mm. of 1975 when the Amityville Horror would begin. All of the information that follows is from either the Lutz's personal testimony or the book by Jay Anson, The Amityville Horror. <laughs> Kathy, you know how I never, you, you say I never do anything right? I just got us a great deal on a house on Ocean Avenue, Kathy. <laughs> My whole life I've always wanted to live in Amityville. Oh, it's so yeah. nice and it's classy. That's what I like about Amityville is that it's classy. That's right. Who's the oh man? Oh, my God. How much did you get? The, how much did you get the house for? They're giving us five thousand dollars to move in. <laughs> They're I paying can't them. believe it. We're making money. I can't believe it. that's a good. Oh, what a good, good husband. Oh, <laughs> this is nice. <laughs> so, I love you, Kathy. <laughs> well, what the Defe- the uh, the Lutzes knew all about the DeFeo murders, right. and they had had a little family meeting beforehand, and they had said like, "Hey, is everyone cool with this? Right. Are we all are we all gonna be able to sleep at night? Pretty much." Right. And they all decided like, "No, we're not superstitious people. Uh, we can handle this. We're getting a great deal on this because it had a boathouse. Right. It was right next to the water. It had a swimming pool." And it was a beautiful home. Felt really weird. They should have felt really weird when the daughter was like, I can't wait, mother and father. <laughs> Just immediately starts menstruating. <laughs> I mean, if you're... <laughs> the plates and fucking dishes start sliding all over the kitchen. I will say, if you're George in this situation, you do feel like the world's greatest dad you, and, and husband. you got a great deal in the house. Your wife is happy. And there's no doubt that your children are like, oh, we're going to a haunted house? Absolutely. <laughs> of course. I love you, Dad. This must have been a great great time for him. Yeah, well, but according to the Lutzes, the paranormal activity began almost instantly. Uh, As they're moving in, they had a dog, Harry. He was tied to a tree. The dog tried to hang itself within the first hour by jumping over a fence while its collar and chain was still attached. Mm. But the problem was is because that the first thing that happened is that Kathy Lutz was taken over by the DeFeo family mother's ghost, and uh, she was cooking for the dog. Oh, <laughs> she was cooking human feces for the dog? That ain't right. Um so this is a reading from the AmityvilleFiles.com, which is a fun little website that describes the haunting. Cool. Due to the property's grim reputation, a friend of George's suggests the house should be blessed by a Catholic priest. Mm. I was a Methodist, so this was no informed of me at the time, recalls George. Father Ray showed up shortly after we were in the process of moving in. I waved. He waved. He went on in the house and went about blessing when he was done, I tried to pay him. You know, you got to pay his priest show up. You got to get a slip and something. Yeah, of course. But he wouldn't take money, you know. He said, no, you don't charge for this. You don't charge friends for this. And that was very kind. It was nice for him to stay, you know. And then he said, you know, I felt something very strange in that one room upstairs, that upstairs bedroom. He's like, hey, don't even worry about it. We're going to turn it into a sewing room. And he's like, that's good. As long as no one sleeps in there. And then strange occurrences began almost immediately. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it's yeah. it's real fun. So the, the is- priest goes in and he starts blessing the room. And as he's blessing the room, he heard a deep voice from behind him saying, Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out, <laughs> get is- out. Get out of here. <laughs> just get out. Yeah, because that's the problem. So the next thing you just... Father Ray felt someone slap him across the face, so that's how I thought in my head. It's like, get out. Get out of here. Oh my God, get out of here. So this is, why, this is why priests make terrible real estate agents. You're just walking them through the house. Why are you blessing every single room? Oh, you know, this is the bathroom. This is the children's room. Don't sleep in that room. This is the master bedroom, the kitchen. And, uh, don't the, go in this room. Don't go in this room. Okay. Don't you dare go in the All right, 
what you do in no, left that, bedroom. So when you mark it as a four bedroom. Whatever bed- it is you do, Matt. Okay, so it's really more, it's more <laughs> of a three. Okay, it's a three bedroom then. If we can't go into one of the bedrooms, it's a three bedroom, not a four bedroom. Okay. The priest also later developed boils on his hands similar to stigmata. Ooh. The nails of Jesus Christ. It also could have been herpes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kathy also said there was an odor of very sweet but very cheap perfume, and she said that she felt the sensation of a woman coming up and embracing her from behind. She said mm. that it was more of kind of a comforting gesture. It wasn't really right. something that was threatening. It was, she said it was almost as if there was one mother trying to comfort another. I'll tell you, the major victim here is Mrs. DeFeo. Even post-mortem, people are mocking the way she smelled. You know that's just her old That's just her old perfume. Her food's been mocked. Her perfume's been mocked. Everything about this uh, woman is being mocked that makes her good, like a good Italian. You know, they're just like tearing her apart. I, li- I think she was a nice If you were over 45 in Italian, if you're over 45 in Italian, eventually your body begins to spoil perfume. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that, but that is also a fact. Well, George, he once described a sound coming from downstairs as, quote, a whole bunch of musicians going, each one in their own direction, playing their own song like an unorganized musical sound. He mm-hmm. said he also felt heard footsteps, but when he went down there, there was nothing. And George himself started right. acting really fucking weird. This is a really cool storyline, this part of it here with George, like, slowly turning into a madman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His yeah. personal hygiene went way downhill. He started becoming obsessed with fire. He had this idea because he could never get warm. Yeah, he was constantly freezing cold, like bone-deep cold. Right. And he couldn't handle it and became obsessed with being cold. Yeah, and he became obsessed with keeping the fire in the living room going, and he mm-hmm. was constantly chopping wood. I'm going to say the way that George described the sounds coming from the basement is the way that a white person describes hearing jazz for the first time. (laughs) And I think he might be a little racist. Another thing, the Lutz children, they were starting to sleep on their stomachs, which is the same way that all of the DeFeos were found when they died. Now, did this family know the specifics of the case before they moved in? Obviously, they knew a massacre occurred. That's why they got the good deal. But did they know about the kids sleeping on the uh, on the stomachs? Did they know about the uh, sounds from the basement? I don't think they did. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think all they knew is that, okay, six people were killed here less than a fucking year ago. Right. Do you want to move in? But I will put it this way. They uh, definitely could have learned the details in a second because the right. DeFeo crimes were heavily covered by the newspaper. Papers. Uh, and the crime scene photos were already out there. They, it's, all they really had to do was look it up. Yeah. But I mean, this is the 70s. And they would have had all that information. This is the 70s. So when you say look it up, it's not on your iPhone. You don't Google it. You got to go to the library, microfiche or <laughs> microfish it. I mean, it would have been a little bit more difficult to get the information that it is now, obviously. Move on! Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! By Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha. Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha. And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. 
I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hey! Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. And then it started getting violent. They said that an unseen force ripped doors from hinges, slammed cabinets closed. Uh, there was a noxious green slime that oozed from the ceilings. They would see it on the carpet. And of course, the most famous thing, the swarm of insects right. that attacked the family that were specifically in Don's old room. And what is the significance of flies and insects when it comes to the folklore of demonic possession? Beelzebub is the lord of the flies, okay. and he is among... Uh, Beelzebub is not necessarily Satan, but he is among the higher echelon of demons. Right. And so the other weird things that George started to wake up every night at 3 a.m., which was the time of the murders. And a 12-inch crucifix, which Kathy hung in the living room, revolved until it was upside down, and it gave off this weird, sour smell. Which is just the normal scratch-and-sniff crucifixes, because that's just what Jesus smelled like? <laughs> exactly. Put a yuck sticker on it. Who likes them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, So geez, you're saying Jesus smelled like Ted Kaczynski? Yes. <laughs> I'm sure if Ted Kaczynski went back to biblical times, people would be like, what's your secret? How do you smell so fresh? Mm -hmm. Who's the new playboy? Oh, my. I want to blow up a building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's a, hey, um, what's a building? <laughs> I will have my revenge. Okay. Another weird thing is that George tripped over a four-foot-high China lion ornament in the living room. And when he looked, he found bite marks on one of his ankles. And later on, this lion would reappear in the living room after George had already moved it back upstairs Ooh. into the sewing room where the priest got slapped. Get out. <laughs> Get out. How dare you? This is my private room. I'm changing. <laughs> it's for the club tonight. 
Get out. I was thinking maybe I can wear the red boots, but instead I was thinking of maybe, where, where are you going? <laughs> what I meant, get out, I meant sarcastic. I like it when people pay attention. <laughs> I mean, the strangest thing out of all of this, though, was said by the youngest daughter who said that she had an imaginary friend named Jody. Mm-hmm. Who was a big demonic pig oh. with glowing red eyes? And oh. both George I and Kathy this. reported seeing the eyes at different points. And I will say this: uh, if this haunting had happened in Wisconsin, Jody wouldn't have made it a fucking week because Jody <laughs> would have been bacon. <laughs> Jody would have been loved, maybe honored and worshipped. Wisconsin, as much as we eat our pigs, we also respect them for the divine creatures that they are. <laughs> And, and a lot of times you marry him. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm you gonna... marry him and elect him to be mayor and shit like that. And mm. most of the people, you can trust a pig more than a <laughs> fucking person. Oh, absolutely. Porky Pig, the mayor of Stevens Point, Wisconsin, was the best mayor we ever had. Oh, it was wonderful. So as far as the pig goes, on December 1st, 1976, cloven-hoofed pig-like footprints were left in the morning snow. Two weeks later, George heard his bed slamming up and down on the floor, but he couldn't do anything about it. He was immobilized in bed by some unseen force. Later on that night, he woke up and saw his wife levitating and moving across the bed. He then saw his wife transform into an old woman saying, The hay was wild. It was a shocking white. The face of mace, wrinkles, and ugly lines. It's a saliva just dripping from a toothless mouth. And I got to say, I still was horny. <laughs> exactly. You got to parlo just parlay those things into a different kind of fetish, you know? If you know you that know your what? wife can turn into an elderly lady, get into them. But also sometimes when you're married to somebody for a long time, and you don't even realize it. You're all of a sudden, you're like, you've become old. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't I don't even realize it. I haven't looked at you with fresh eyes in so long. And you're it's, I wondered why your chooch wasn't as mystifying to me. <laughs> chooch, huh? So the next morning, about 28 days after they moved in, the Lutz family fled the house, leaving every single one of their possessions behind. And what they do, one thing right. that they will say is that there was an inciting event that they won't talk about is is why they left. There was a thing the last night that made them leave, which I think they're insinuating is that in my personal – from what, the way the story is playing out is that George Lutz attacked the family. Yeah, uh, right. That his his growing hostility towards everyone because he started hitting the kids, hitting his wife. That's what they say and that he had become a completely different person and I think he attacked them and they were like, we got to get the fuck out of here and then they left if all of this is true. Right, right. So then once they got a certain distance away from the home, theoretically the, 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 the cloud was lifted and everything went back to normal. No, he just got used to how satisfying it was to hit your family, and so he just kept doing it. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. <laughs> so two months after the Lutzes left in the middle of the night, uh, a reporter named Laura Didio assembled a group of psychic researchers to evaluate the family's claims. The investigators spent a night in the house, walking from room to room, trying to pick up ghostly vibrations. Didio said, it was like a psychic slumber party. And the best part fun. about a psychic slumber Slumber party is that everybody knows who wants to kiss who. Exactly. <laughs> who's got a crush and who likes likes each other. So at the forefront of all of this psychic slumber party were Lorraine and Ed Warren. Right. These people are among, if not the most famous paranormal investigators in the world. They've been portrayed in The Conjuring. Uh, they've been portrayed in Annabelle. They claim to have investigated over 4,000 cases, and they're the founders of the New England Society for Psychic Research, or Nesper. So Ed and Lorraine, they brought in this group of parapsychologists. All of the parapsychologists were all affected in different ways in the Amityville Horror House. One of them saw the face of a young girl and heard crying and weeping. And during the seance, Lorraine said that there was an evil in the house from the bowels of the earth, not just the murdered spirits. She said, I hope this is as close to hell as I'll ever get. So um, just going back really quick, did the Lutz family 
call the Warrens to tell no, them what happened? The, no, no, no. Like I said, there was a reporter that called the Warrens. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. D- yeah, yeah. Didio. Yeah. Yes. And rep- the reporter found out, like, basically through them. Because now you're right. going to, well, we will talk about that timeline in the next episode of where, when the Lutzes decided to start telling people about the haunting and the immediate sort of aftermath of that. But this woman took this ahead of herself and put together this psychic team. And what I love about this whole story is that it's a bunch of psychics walking around going, ah, ah, yeah. I see your face, I see your face. And then it cuts to Lauren in this documentary and she's just like, and you know what's like really funny is that, uh, I mean, I didn't see anything. So, um, <laughs> but everybody was really, really reacting pretty strongly. Yeah, the most they could say right. is like, yeah, the cameraman, uh, he had some chest pains when he was walking up some stairs. Very overweight fella. But meanwhile, it's just a bunch of psychics just walking around and like, there's demons. There's <laughs> demons. Which is so exciting. I would love to be in one of these houses during one of these experiments. So the Warrens maintained that the source of evil in the house was there long before the DeFeo murders and that each person is affected differently by these demonic forces mm-hmm. when they live in the house. And she and when they ask Lorraine, it's like, hey, Lorraine, why is it that nobody else who has ever lived in this house after the Lutzes have ever had any problems whatsoever Hmm. she said it's because they weren't open which is the same line she used to get women to be the third with her and ed right right (laughs) at the nighttime they go to like places like schlitz's so they go to they go to cruisers you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and she mean like some people are just open to certain experiences (laughs) like i i see ghosts but i also i eat pussy (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? I love the Warren couple. Here's where you're starting to see the veneer crack a little bit. Kathy, she said that they were more open because they were practicing transcendental meditation at the time. And I guess you could say that DeFeo was more open because he was fucking... Tripping balls constantly. Now, this is one of the differences between residual hauntings and demonic hauntings, Mm -hmm. right? So this is what we're saying. The reason why we all these people, the way you can explain it, the reason why everyone's affected differently is because imagine like a demon in a house. It's like like a residual is like, again, it's like watching a projection, right? All of this shit's happening all around you. It's happening all the time, but it's you can't. it doesn't affect you. You can't affect it. You're just like watching a movie. So you're just watching a ghost play. Yes, but a demonic haunting specifically, or what's also called like an active haunting or like a physical haunting, is an entity that was never human that is now here. And basically it's like we're all operating systems and the demon is a program. And that we kind of – it affects the environment and everybody in it depending on what's going on. But it's got nothing to do with people. What would be if a demon does – let's just assume that it's true – if it is uh, a, a demonic haunting, what would be the motivation for the demon? Is he harvesting the energy or is it, it depends on why he was called? A lot of the times when you're talking about if he was called to the house or she, I don't want to be sexist. <laughs> yeah. If they were called to the house, uh, a lot of times they have a specific purpose or there was a specific goal or a lot of times they're attached to an object or a person. Oh, so okay. the, in demonic hauntings, it's not, sometimes they're possessing someone and that's why they're there. And sometimes it'll be like there's something in the house, which you see like in the story that the movie Annabelle is based on, a demon was attached to a doll right. and then the, the haunting went where the doll went. Right, right. And right. according to this, and Dr. Professor... What's his? <laughs> yeah, and, and according to uh, Doctor Professor Hans Holzer, he said there was a very specific entity at this home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and Professor Doctor Hans Holzer was America's most famous ghost hunter at the time. And you must remember that mm. he is both a teacher and a doctor. Isn't that something? <laughs> He's both things. I can't believe it. Both things. So let's let's hear what uh, Professor Doctor Hans Holzer had to say about the case. I particularly like this picture that clearly shows a white outline of a horse um, overimposed over me. Now it so happens that the entity in the house that was disturbed was an Indian chief on a horse. And what I like most is pictures of horses (laughs) when when I see them in the calendar. But what I most like more than the pictures in the calendar is the pictures of the ghost horses because it's fun to see the ghost ride the horses. (laughs) 
Well, we've gotten through uh, the Amityville Horror. We've you know, talked about the you know everything that was said in the book, uh, everything that the Lutzes said, everything that uh, happened in the DeFeo case. That's part one. And in part two, we're going to go through why every single line of that was 100% bullshit. Horseshit. Well, <laughs> except for the actual DeFeo murders. Right, exactly. Every single, everything that Ronnie said was horseshit. Everything that the Lutzes said was horseshit. Everything was absolute and total fucking garbage. The Lutzes so were lying? The Lutzes were lying. Mrs. Jay Anson was lying. Was Mrs. DeFeo a good cook? <laughs> that's what I want to I mean, know. I think that's the one thing that was real. Because oh. you don't get that sort of rage built inside of you if your mother is a great cook. Let I mean, my mother was a great cook, right. and I'm a jolly man because of it. Mm-hmm. So that's what we said in the very beginning. We basically, the the story of the haunting covered what is actually a very compelling murder story. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I can't wait to get back into the motives and all that bullshit because um, Butch is an entertaining human being. <laughs> He's Butch. <laughs> Butch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, we'll go into uh, Butch's alternate theories, uh, which we'll go into the much more likely theories as far as what the murder, uh, what happened with the murder. Uh, we'll go through the Lutz family hoax. We'll go through all that shit on Amityville Part 2 coming up next week. Butch is an amazing storyteller. <laughs> he really I is. I say that. So, uh, I guess uh, go to uh, iTunes, rate and review. Uh, be sure to um, go to cavecomedyradio.com slash lastpodcast on the left to get your last podcast on the left t-shirt. $25 yeah. domestic, $40 international. Uh, and uh, Heil Gein, everyone. Let's do a hail yourselves. Thank you guys so much for listening. Find us on Twitter at Marcus Parks, at Henry Loves You. I'm at Ben Kissel. Thanks so much for supporting all the shows here on CCR. We really appreciate it. At LP on the left. Oh, yes. Uh, hail Satan. Keep him in your hearts. He's the only one you can trust. Everybody else is lying to you but him. Just know that for sure. I also want to give a shout out to John Scherer. Thank you so much for saving my ass in Atlanta. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Henry was recognized on the streets of Atlanta in a drunken stupor, and a fan was able to drive him home. So what a hero he was. <laughs> you got, we got to take care of each other, guys. Yes. And Henry, for the fans, a little insight. How's it going in Toronto? You're doing well? You're having a good time filming? Things are really good. The show is going to be a lot of fun. I'm pretty beat up right now because I get wailed on quite a bit. Good, good. That makes me very happy. Hail me as well because... um. I don't have much time left. <laughs> what, if you don't? <laughs> You're healthier than you've ever been. I am, I am. I feel good. I mean, on this laundry that I'm doing. Oh, so, I see. Uh, you've got to go to the mat soon, the laundry mat. Goodbye. Hey, just one more thing before we go. I wanted to let y'all know that on May 29th, that's next Friday, the band in which I play drums, The Cowmen, we're going to be releasing our debut self-titled album. It's going to be fucking great. In fact, y'all are hearing just a little bit of preview of it right now. And next week, at the end of the show, we're going to be playing a full preview track from the new album. And if you're in the New York area on May 29th, we're going to be playing our record release show at Bar Matchless in Brooklyn with the Reformed Whores. It's going to be 10 bucks at the door, starts at 8 o'clock. We're going to have a clown that does rope tricks and skeletons. This is Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, the promo, and in 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why you should check out the show. I, the host, Scott Aukerman, have a lighthearted conversation with famous celebrities like John Hamm, Allison Williams, Phoebe Bridgers, Bob Odenkirk, just to name a few. Things go a little off the rails when different eccentric characters drop by to be interviewed as well. Each week is a blend of conversations and character work from your favorite comedians as well as some new hilarious voices. Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast. Listen every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or a random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.